Hey, everybody. This is the Steg Drew Show, and I'm your host, Drew Stegmeyer. This show is new, evolving, and finding itself. We don't yet know what it will turn out to be, and that's exciting. I believe the world has a current civility deficit, and with this endeavor, I'll be exploring tough and taboo topics with compassion and civility so you can do the same with your friends, family, and coworkers. In this episode with Joe Bernstein, who is a transformational relationship artist, or what some people might call a men's life coach, we let the freak flag fly. We start off the episode by talking about microdosing. Joe is the first one of my guests who announced that he was microdosing and was okay with sharing it on the air. And that's part of what I am about and the message I want to spread. So we dive into that. We dive into some of Joe's story, how he got into the work he does, who he is, some crises he faced that triggered a trauma response. And that trauma response happened to be growing a lot and is responsible for part of making him who he is today. And we talk about the difference between being wise versus being educated. What is men's work and why does the world need it? And this episode felt important. That feels weird to say. I didn't start it with that intention. Uh, It doesn't feel grandiose for me to say that right now, but that's how I'm feeling just after recording it. And we ended the episode with my favorite poem, by Marianne Williamson called Our Deepest Fear. Our current medical system is pretty good at treating acute conditions, but when it comes to chronic health problems, we're not that good. In fact, many Americans suffer from chronic health conditions without really knowing why. Not Medical Advice, yes, that is the name, notmedicaladvice.co, not.com, again, that is notmedicaladvice.co, helps you find a holistic healthcare provider near you. You can get a free guide on the website and you'll get a video and PDF to find the perfect people in your area to help you solve chronic medical conditions. If you've had confusing healthcare conditions, if your doctor has made your health worse, if you've had a lot of bad doctor experiences, like I have had myself where I've lost trust in the system, and if you haven't had luck with holistic options just yet, Not Medical Advice helps you navigate the health landscape. Go to notmedicaladvice.co. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, man. Um. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for doing this. I'm, I'm already like, I'm just going to say it since you're wearing that shirt off the testes, my kink. I'm like, it took me off guard to hear welcome after we've already been chatting so deeply and like, so like, I want to say like deliciously for 15 minutes yeah. already. It's like, welcome. Oh yeah. Welcome. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess to, to disclose more for yeah. the listeners out there, um, I usually budget 30 minutes before record time to shoot the shit with the guest to, you know, set the mood, set the tone. I think it would be incredibly weird to do like a surprise. You're being recorded. <laughs> and, um, I, I, I wouldn't like that. Right. So usually I'll, I'll do a, you know, warm up. And then when I press the record button, it would feel weird. I think to just start with a sentence. Yeah. Right. Um, it is. I, I, you know, I, I had for a period of last year paid a podcast booking agency because I really like long form conversations and I like mm-hmm. being featured. 
And um, every once in a while, someone would just be all business. Like, you know, they send out their email and here's how it works. And then that you get on and like, okay, we got 25 minutes. And like, how are you today? Let's record. And it's always a, it's always a shitty podcast. So thank you for doing what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I feel like the whole strength of this medium is yeah. that it is long form. Like when you watch a 30 yeah. minute TV show, first it's not even 30 minutes. It's like 26, right. 28, you know, sure. with these commercial breaks. And um, I joke that uh, certain contexts are what I call nuance hospice. They're where nuance mm. goes to die. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. podcasts, yeah. like you can, you can rant, you can rave, you can ramble. Um, and I love them as a listener. So as a host, mm. like, ha it's my show. We can. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to just get the elephant um, in the room addressed, mm. this is the first show that someone has told me they were microdosing during recording time, right? I can't oh. say no one's done it. <laughs> oh, sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because I can't know, but it's right. the first I've been notified. So uh, why don't we just talk about uh, what is microdosing? What are you microdosing? What does that sure. mean? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why not? I mean, you know, you probably know as much as I do, but um, I'm microdosing psilocybin. Uh, I've been doing that on and off for about a year. Um, generally, my life feels better when I'm on, <laughs> when I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is it? Is it's just taking a very small amount really any, I mean, you can microdose any substance. You can microdose caffeine if you wanted to, you mm-hmm. microdose Tylenol if you wanted to, but any very, 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 very small dose that allows for some experience of receiving the, uh, I'm going to say medicine or influencer or entheogen or whatever the heck you want to call it um, in just a very gentle way. So, so you can get some of the benefit without some of the uh, bigger impacts that may come depending on what it is. Um, so for me, I, I'm someone who actually, people see me as very grounded. I work really hard to be very grounded, but the reason that I can be grounded at times is because I've spent a lot of my life as just an anxious, fearful mess, hiding what's important to me and being triggered very easily and being very sensitive. Right. And, and I love sensitivity. I'm not saying sensitivity is bad. I'm just saying like, it can be hard in this world to be very sensitive at times. And so um, I don't, you know, I don't take pharmaceuticals very often. I try my best not to. Mm-hmm. So for me, I've worked really hard through meditation, exercise, nutrition, just, you know, creating a lifestyle for myself where I don't have to have the stresses of a lot of traditional employment. And a lot of it really is so that I can be grounded and be loving and be compassionate. And, and um, you know, about a year ago, I started experiencing a lot more anxiety depressive episodes than I had really ever consciously, probably less so than I actually was experiencing in my youth, in my teens, in my twenties. I just was really unconscious to it back then. Um, But I was experiencing a lot and there was just a lot going on in myself. Uh, There was a lot going on in my life. There was a lot going on with old shadows emerging because of stuff going on in my relationship and in my business. And there was this thing that we call a pandemic where whatever we believe about it, there was a huge collective consciousness globally that was very anxious and fearful. And, uh, you know, I think the word empath is overused, but I tend to be quite a receptor for energy and emotion. Um, I happen to also live in DC, you know, two miles from the fucking capital. So, so this last year has been a trial. It's been a, uh, 
it's been a descent, if you will, and a hero's journey when it comes to my own mental health. And um, I had been playing with and experimenting with microdosing a lot in like early and mid 2020. And when I really started feeling a lot of anxiety late last year, uh, I did a little personal solo retreat where I did a, a more of a macro dose and I used mm-hmm. like what is close to the therapeutic protocols, a specific music playlist, the blindfolds, it's, it wasn't recreational. Um, and I just came away feeling so magically healed and, and grounded by it that I got more serious and said, well, I want to do regular micro dosing and, and very consistently since February, um, I've done microdosing cycles and it really does seemed to help me quite a bit with anxiety or depressive cycles um, in a beautiful way. And that helps me not feel like I should be on pharmaceuticals. And I don't judge people that are, I have loved ones that are, um, but I've tried my best not to. And and I'm open to the potential of it. But for right now, if psilocybin does the job, that's where I'm going, going with nature, you know? Uh Oh, I I appreciate the description. And um, man, there's there's a lot of things I want to follow up with you on after that. Um, first, just for the, the lay people out there who are unfamiliar, uh, pronunciation there, I think, is really important of micro versus macro. They're off by one letter. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the difference is one letter. The experience is like a different planet. Right. Right. Oh, right. Um, so and, and just as a host, like hey, by no means is this saying, hey, folks, you all should go out and do this. But I, mm-hmm. I would say, hey, you all should go out and educate yourself. They're yeah. called magic for a reason, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> these true. things are incredible. And to remain willfully ignorant, I think, is a disservice to yourself. Um, yeah. So I never heard this before. Um, conscious depression. And, and I have an idea of what that means. But yeah, yeah. What does that mean to you? Like no one's ever right. said that phrase to me. Before. Yeah. Well, well, so what I really appreciate is, um, so I'm taking this, I'm going to use this language that I've taken from a man uh, named Terrence Real or Terry Real, his old books. He put, put Terrence, now he puts Terry. Yeah. And he does, are you looking to see if you got some? Oh, he does, give, uh, me, give me one second. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll fill in the blanks. Uh, actually, no, we're talking. Yeah, there you go. Oh, well, there you go. That might be the book that I'm actually going to reference. So I don't want to talk about it. It's about men and depression. And in that book, he does a beautiful job of really clarifying how depression shows up in men and how clinically for the vast majority of the world of psychology, which is what only, I don't know, 130, 150 years old or something, has misdiagnosed and misunderstood depression in men because typically it was like it's the antithesis of the rest of the medical industry. The rest of the medical industry focuses everything on men and men's bodies and then doesn't know why we can't heal women and doesn't know why women have challenges don't align with the science, right? Well, psychology has actually focused a lot around anxiety and depression on how it presents in women and girls. And so in that book, if you recall, you know, for anyone who's read it or if you've read it, it's like, he really does a great job of breaking down what it looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like, how it presents and what we need to go through to move through it. And so he creates this distinction of covert depression and overt depression. And so what I would say is that for a lot of my life, I was anxious and negative and pessimistic and had very, you know, classic, like limiting beliefs, like can be a a jargon that's thrown around in the personal growth industry, but like 
I literally believed that I'd probably just always be obese and die in my 40s. I literally believed I could never be a good father, a good husband, so I didn't deserve relationship love. I literally believed that with a body that looked heavy and didn't look the way that the world wanted us to, that I was not like a viable sexual option. Like literally, I just, I just believed that stuff. And so I had tremendous limitations on my life, I had tremendous limiting beliefs. I had a lot of challenges with being the like a typical nice guy, but then having rage outbursts, like just straight up rage outbursts, which really wreaked havoc in uh, my first marriage, you know, when I was, I'm divorced, but I was married young and, and I would just try and placate and placate and, and please and play nice. And someone pushed me over the edge and I'd be rageful. And I've spent a lot of my life, you know, numbing out with different things. And at times it was like food and way too much cannabis. I'm a fan of cannabis, but there's a way too much. There's damn, damn sure way too much for me. Um, and, and doing all kinds of things, TV, uh, overworking, um, you know, the whole nine, like anything you can think of that wasn't alcohol or hard drugs, I used it to numb out. And I, I, I had a pretty rough life for the first 30 years, even though I thought I was fine. I thought it was normal-ish even with those negative beliefs. So I actually believe that a lot of my life, I was in a covert depression. I didn't know uh, how depressed I was, but looking back, my behaviors, my actions, my beliefs, the way I created a lifestyle were every bit what, exactly what I'd expect depression to look like in a human being. And then frankly, I went through this transformational period in 2013, my ex-wife broke up with me, we started getting divorced and I, instead of spiraling downward, like a lot of people, I had an upward spiral. And I found all of this inner work and men's work and, you know, management of mind, body, health stuff. And I learned how to manage anxiety. And at the end of the day, I really hadn't overcome deep depression and anxiety. I just found like really awesome new drugs that helped me feel great and lose weight and be healthy and feel alive. And like, I was still though, coming from a place of like shame. Well, I was totally broken and now I'm totally amazing, right? Like this huge rebound. And so... My belief is that even as I was transforming in positive ways, starting to build like a fucking life I loved, there was still a lot of covert depression in me. And the last few years, as I've stepped out of this young force energy that drove me through my 30s, and I've stepped more into a grounded power, as I like to call it, and I've started to allow grief and started to allow my emotions to flow, and I've started to allow a more wholeness-based way of living, like acceptance of the whole of my humanity, I've been a lot more conscious the times where I'm really actually in a depression. And in the past couple of years, well, in the past year and a half, really, really like six months into pandemic land is when I really started to notice it. It's like, it's a fucking Tuesday. The love of my life is in the next room. I'm coaching badass people and I love doing it. I have friends. I'm feeling healthy. It's like, and I honestly have terrible negative thoughts and I feel completely flat emotionally. So I, uh, you know, I couldn't hide anymore. Come, come maybe like this time last year that like, Hey, uh, I am a dude who actually can call a spade a spade now and, and deal with my mental health. And so that's what I mean when I say I was conscious to my depressions now. I mean, like shit, I've been really rocking. I've been really on a good mental health wave for like a month or so now, but even like six or eight weeks ago, objectively life was beautiful and then a random like Wednesday I'd be like what is everything sucks you know like <laughs> I'd just be in this thing and so I yeah. can finally be like all right yeah. that is just dude it's like that's 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 
just with mental health, man. It's like, if you got a cold, well, guess what? Today you have depression. Like you'll probably be fine tomorrow. Like yeah. you know, drink some, drink some orange juice. I don't drink orange juice, but like <laughs> drink some right. tea, right. you know, go on a walk tonight, you know, let the stress wane a little bit, connect mm-hmm. with loved ones. You'll probably be good in a day or two. And, and that tends to be the case for me these days. But, um, Man, uh, I've, I've, I've energy to go into a whole different direction to from here, but let me slow down and uh, see if I answered your question. Yeah, you did. Uh, I want to say keep, keep rolling with it. Uh, I have follow-ups, but yeah. I mean, if there's more, then you know, by all means. Cause... Yeah, well, I just want to say, maybe I'm saying this for myself, but maybe for you or for anyone who mm-hmm. might listen, like um, life is actually not sustainable when we always want to go upward and we always want to be happy and we always want to experience expansion uh life works in cycles and so i believe that we have many 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 heroes journeys in our life and in our heroes journeys there's very there's varying degree of times of like the descent in the hero's journey and so partly it's like stuff that was never attended to in the past and partly it was like finding ways to mask depression and such but in a way also I'm pretty conscious as well that like for me, there's just been, there's been a hero's, a new hero, another transformational cycle, another hero's journey unfolding. And the last, you know, 10 months to a year, it's been a descent. And I'm really actually pretty clear that since I was actually able to surrender and allow some of that descent while still living my life, still building my dreams, still creating my business, still moving forward towards the, you know, we're going to commitment with the love of my life because we just got engaged. Um, allowing that actually, I believe really has in the past month, five weeks has helped me move into the next phase of the hero's journey and out of the descent. So I just want to say that to, to, to share the idea that like we go through patterns and we go through cycles and it's okay to allow that and to be able to allow that is actually what allows it will help us move forward or help us move on will help us go to the next stage of growth or expansion or creation the next iteration of giving our gifts in the world is to allow it and um it's maybe the first time in my life that i've really allowed an extended period of just feeling shitty when all the you know quote unquote success markers whatever the hell you want to call them whatever those are Mm -hmm. (laughs) look good in my life you know so right right so that's, that's a lot. I uh, shared a lot. So it's coming up for you, man. Oh, man. Uh, well, this is this is like an Easter egg, I guess, because <laughs> so I, I was having a conversation this morning with a client about yeah. depression. OK, uh-huh. and I'm, I'm not going to name names. It's private. But um, the person was considering canceling because of the depression. And so met that with some inquiry. But uh, what came up for me was the depression can dictate your behavior, right? It can own you or you can work with it. You can get curious about it. You can collaborate with it. And I think to be consciously depressed, like how, how I might describe it or carry it is if someone says first, if you say I am depressed, that just is a moment of awareness. Then you could go even further and say, I feel depressed. There's like Mm -hmm. me. And then there's this feeling and that is like, it's such a small thing, but that is the world, right? The, the moment you have that sliver of space where you can identify your own experience is, is huge, right? And then the question is, well, what do you want to do about this, right? And um, I kind of have an ax to grind 
with this word fearless. I'm, I'm like, fuck fearlessness. I like being courageous. <laughs> like, Me too, man. It's not about not being scared. It's about doing something despite your fear. Mm-hmm. And I think where depression gets tricky and part of the conversation I just had, you know, two hours ago was, hey, if you're waiting for the depression to subside, mm. to act, might be tomorrow, might be a few months, might be a few years, right? Um, so mm-hmm. if you're letting that feeling dictate your behavior, that's giving away your power. That's like, that's a high price, um, right? It's, you could say it's a circumstantial thing, this, this feeling. Where does it come from? I don't know. I'm doing all the right stuff. I'm doing the self-care and the yoga and the semen retention and the organic food and the microdosing. (laughs) And I feel shitty. And it's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? So I guess a follow-up question would be, and you mentioned this some, but maybe go a little deeper Mm -hmm. on how do you treat, what do you do when Mm -hmm. you notice that you have this depression? You know, for me, the medicine, so I am a activator, man. I'm like, I'm someone who has spent a lot of my life. Well, no, yeah, a lot of my life stepping into action, mm-hmm. wanting to do something about it, wanting to solve, wanting to fix. I have a lot of uh, awareness of things I can do that are state changers, right? I'll go for a run, you know, like, well, whatever, go journal something, go meditate, go write, you know, write something creative to get mm-hmm. your juices flowing, like, whatever, call a loved one do some psilocybin, whatever, like right, smoke right. a joint, go, go down and hang out by the river. Cause like, you know, nature really heals. It's very grounding and healing for me. There's a million things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so those are all really powerful and beneficial, but we go through stages of development, right? Like there are people that experience their emotions or experience depressions. Cause I want to, I want to call depression itself deeper than just feeling depressed. It's something that is like way embodied and way in spirit, I want to say, inspirited, if you will, uh, different than like, I'm feeling gloomy, right? Like I'm feeling gloomy. It can feel like a huge, um, well, I don't even, it's ineffable almost. I don't really know how to put words to it. Someone who's been more conscious to the depression more of their life could probably explain it more. But for <laughs> some people, the medicine is learn to act in your best interest anyway. Learn to change your state when you need to learn to overcome it in the moment and find courage to go and create anyway, right? Like some people need to know where they're at and their various lines and levels of development. How do I get out of this? How do I move forward anyway? Where I've been is I am overexpressed in the ability to change my state and the ability to act anyway and the ability to actually quiet that fear or quiet that anxiety or quiet that depression to, to get through, right? And for me, the medicine right now is like, just be in it anyway. Now, it doesn't mean don't go do what I'm supposed to do. Like, if I'm committed to writing something that day for my business, I'm committed to a meeting, like for one of the various things that I volunteer for, if I'm committed to obviously working with clients, it's like my medicine is show up anyway, show up in that state. Don't try and change it. Access the fact that I'm still, you know, capable, uh, receptive, uh, loving you know, skillful, even in that state. And I say the same for like personal things too. There's times where it's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to spend too much time with my partner today because I've been feeling all shitty and I'll probably say something fucked up. Like, so what? I'm allowed to be with her when I'm not perfect, right? So for me, the medicine has been go be imperfect, go be as best you can be in this state without changing it. 
but I will say that there's a lot of people out there that get into, you know, I saw your email this week, like talking about uh, circles and triangles, right? There's a lot of people that get oh, stuck yeah. in their drama triangle of the victim because of their mental and emotional states or because of things happening around them. And, and a lot of the time, the medicine for them is to access the creators, to learn how to move forward anyways, to learn how to take some sense of empowerment about like, what can I do about this? Um, where I've been at, it's simply like, just be, be you, <laughs> be you with this, right? One of my, one of my teachers and mentors who designed and developed the whole like eating psychology coaching training, which was one of the first coaching trainings I did, he would always say like, they want to know the best way to heal, to heal anxiety, move through it. Like you can't get around it. You can't get over it. You can't get under it. If you do, it's going to catch up anyway. So just move through it, be with it, feel it, allow it. Right. So a, tr a revolutionary idea for me is like, if I'm having one of those days and I don't have a client after like 2 PM, fucking take the day off. Like that's revolutionary for me. Whereas five years ago, I'd be like, no, nope, push through it. Like, Go for a quick run, blue, blah, blah, blah. Dominate yourself with mastery into following through, right? So, so for me, it's been a lot of the opposite. The wholeness, the allowing me to access wholeness has been letting go man, and being where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about that is that there's a couple of things, right? Um, I've been thinking a lot recently about this idea of like personal responsibility versus circumstance mm -hmm. and the trap is thinking it's one or the other life is about yeah. both, right <laughs> i'm just excited because i'm with you there <laughs> <laughs> and um we are responsible for ourselves and also shit happens right and i think the risk of the constant slogging is that there's a high potential that maybe we picked the solution that wasn't the most optimal right mm -hmm. it, you know it, it's like seeing a poor person and being like, Oh, just work harder. You idiot. And it's like, mm -hmm. Oh, actually they have two full-time jobs and a part-time job. Mm -hmm. They're working a hundred hours a week. Oh, but they still can't afford rent. They just must be dumb. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe there's a different answer. There, yeah. there might be one, but if you don't give yourself a moment to get curious, right. I think getting curious yeah. is so undervalued and, even curious about your own experience, like just start ending sentences with question mark. Mm. Right. Um, and that allows you to know, cause I, I think you're right. There's some people that get depressed and then it dominates them. And then mm. it sounded like your experience was more along the lines of, Hey, I've figured out a way to circumvent this, mm -hmm. but maybe that meant being dismissive. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, I see what's going on here. How oh, power through this. Right. Yeah. I won't let this stop me. And, um, you know, there's this idea, right? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, mm -hmm. go together. And I think that yeah. applies for our emotions. Mm -hmm. You want to go far, you need to go with them, right? Otherwise, you know, you leave them behind. It's like, well, you, you can't leave them behind. That's an illusion, right? You know, that's, that's the baggage, right? Baggage is heavy, <laughs> you know? Um, so... Mm -hmm. I guess we've kind of danced around it, but um, yeah, give us uh, maybe some, some background bio, like who is Joe Bernstein and, and how yeah. did he, you know, become the person he is now or get into the work you do if you want to go more of the work. Yeah, path. sure. We can talk about work and I want to take the opportunity being with you in this context to, to make it a little more holistic. And 
Um, you know, I identify as, as a guy who is pretty committed and addicted to like personal growth, spiritual growth, well-being, um, you know, learning to deepen his experience mm -hmm. of life. I used to use the word expansion a lot, like it's about expanding. Mm -hmm. And I, I recognize that in many ways, it's about a lot of things. It's about deepening. It's about expanding. It's about creating. It's about learning. It's about transforming. But I'm going to talk about deepening. So I'm really in love with deepening my experience of being a human. <laughs> and, and what what helps me to do that is I, I, at one point when I got really into that stuff, which I'll tell the story about that in a bit, but I decided that I was going to go out on a limb, and try and transition from a retail management career of 14 years to be a coach, someone that helps other people transform and do personal growth work and, and do mindset work and get healthy, et cetera. Um, and so that's one of the ways I identify is someone who's like in the work of personal, spiritual, emotional growth, well-being stuff, right? I do it personally, I do it professionally, and I'm really fucking blessed to be able to. Um, other ways I identify is I'm always working to identify more and more as like a family member, like a son, an uncle, mm. a brother, um, and take that more seriously. I think a lot of my life, I kind of distance myself from family and I'm I'm in a place of wanting to really connect and reestablish deepness and depth with my ancestry, which, you know, I have living ancestors. They're my fucking family. That drive me crazy. <laughs> oh, that is so good. So <laughs> I have living ancestors. They're my family. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, oh, um, and all my relations, like they're fucking right there. They're 30 minutes away, like 45 minutes oh, away, you know, in Montgomery County. I live in DC. And so they're right there. So be with them and show them respect, even if I don't, always love everything about them or about being with them right. even if I have wounds and memories that hurt um so I really identify that way and and as someone who just got engaged I really identify as, as as someone who's really committed to loving and creating a beautiful life with my partner Natalie um I've been starting to identify more as well as like a nurturer you know I, I mm. there's all this talk about masculinity toxic masculinity mindful masculinity healthy masculinity right and something that's been real for me the last couple of years is, is learning to grow into my like nourishing masculinity, uh, if you will. And, and even as I say that, and even as a guy who says he's a men's coach, I'm more and more uh, identify as a human <laughs> than a man, you know, than like a male being, although that's still prime for me. It's still central for me is, is gender identity, but, but I, at least conceptually and in some, some embodied way, want to like release that more and more over time. And so those are some of the ways I, you know, I identify and what I do and who I am. I live in Washington, D.C. Uh, if we want to use a title, we could call myself a men's life coach. Um, since this, is, this show is about letting the freak flag fly and being authentic, uh, and that's your kink, I will say that over the last year, I've, I've identified my work more and more as I feel more like I'm a transformational relationship artist. At least that turns me on to say um, like there's just something about creating a relationship, an intimate relationship with another human that's specifically in service to their growth that I sometimes don't even know how I do, but I think I do it decently well. Uh, at least I believe I do it well. And I've got a few clients that have been hanging around for, you know, three, three and a half years. So I think they think I do it well. Um, and, and, and so that's who I am and what I do professionally to me, I'm all about, you said, you don't believe in fearlessness. Well, me neither. I think that's an abdication of our humanity. 
any anytime we're shaming an emotion, we're not being true with ourselves. So I'm all about helping people access courage. I'm all about helping people access love. I'm all about helping people access uh, creativity and going after their lit the fuck up life, which has been some of my branding the last couple of years. It's like, go, go create your lit the fuck up life, like be lit up. And I don't care if that's, you know, you work your nine to five that you really kind of hate, but on the side, you love the like embodiment practices you have and you get spent a lot of time in nature and you like, you know, get to go uh, teach whatever, you know, semen retention since you brought it up, why not on the side, right? <laughs> it's like, I don't care as long as, or it could be that you want to liberate, you want to move into a, a, a full-time role of teaching team and semen retention and, and selling microdoses and all that shit, right? Like, so I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> by the way, if anyone's listening and you are a semen retention coach, I actually <laughs> looking for one. I'm not joking. Oh my God. I can't. I can't. <laughs> You laugh, like I literally want to start working with someone around my embodiment and my my sensuality and sexuality more. So it's a whole other. Um, <laughs> so you know we're having fun, but but um, that's what I want to do. I want to help people live their live the fuck up life. And more and more recently, I want to grow into someone who is who who identifies as a healer who does more healing work. I know there's a healing element of my work, but I've never identified that way. And I'd like to. I've had a big epiphany recently with sh- shamanic breath work around how the next stage of my life is about learning some sort of healing modality and really use a deeper way within my practice. So that's where I am, where I've been, more to come. Um, and you asked about like how I got here. I think I've danced around the idea that I, I grew up obese. I grew up with a lot of limiting beliefs. I grew up thinking that I didn't deserve love and sex and money and, and, and social life and career and all that stuff. Like I just thought I'd be mediocre and I, I created a mediocre life. Um, you know, and, and actually, I don't want to judge that dude because he did the best he could. He like actually ended up in a career he loved and he ended up married and he ended up with like, you know, decently cool social life and some interests and hobbies he loved. So even though I had all those negative beliefs, I got myself to the point when I was like 30 years old, uh, I'm married, I'm 10 plus years into a career in retail management with a company that I actually enjoyed. I, I enjoyed the work and they didn't, they didn't drive us into the ground like most retail did. And I, um, you know, I found myself in a place where in 2012, I went through a health crisis. I was having kidney stone issues start to pop up more and more. And one got really bad. I needed a surgery. And then at the same time as going through this pain and trying to avoid this kidney stone surgery, I shredded my finger in a thousand places trying to play Iron Chef one night um, while on the painkillers from well, like smoking a joint, like on opioids, like, like, oh, I should play with immersion blender really not a good idea. Um, shredded my finger, had this kidney stone surgery. It was just spent a lot of time at 30 years old in 2012, I guess 31, in a lot of pain that summer. And at the same time, I could feel my ex-wife pulling away. And she came in one day in the midst of all my health crises. And at 31, that is our health crises. You know, at 40, I'd like laugh at them. But, <laughs> but anyway, she was like, Hey, I'm not happy. I'm one foot out the door. And I was in resistance. I was in denial. We fought like crazy people from before the time we even got married. And I, part of me always knew, like, I'm just hanging on for dear life. Like I'm just doing everything I can to hold on to this relationship, which is very, it's a very toxic way to be in a relationship. It's not at all successful or loving. And so things fell apart in my life in so many ways. 
at the same time, I realized that career I'd been in, I was kind of at the top of where I could go. I, I had been given opportunities to manage multiple stores and and without, and I don't have a college degree and without a, a college degree and actually probably even an MBA, I wasn't going to make it to the next level of where, where I was. And I didn't want to go back to school. And I didn't want to be standing on a retail sales floor when I was 40. I remember thinking that for the first time in my life for like 10 years, I thought, I want to do this forever. I love this shit. And so I had a crisis of vocation or you could say purpose. I had a crisis of health, I had a crisis in my love life all at once. And, you know, when her and I decided to separate, which she decided to end things. I was still trying to hold on. My trauma response was, fuck this, you're going to grow. Like my trauma response literally was like, within days, you know, within days, I went from being deflated and thinking like, maybe I'll never love a woman again or kiss a woman again or have sex again. Or like, maybe I should just resign to this mediocre life. At that point, I started to lose weight. Like I won't go into the whole weight loss story, but I'd lost about 50, 60 pounds. And so I thought to myself, like, maybe I'll just gain all the weight back and just be who I always thought I was. And um, what happened instead was it was like this divine intervention. And I wouldn't have called that until maybe a year or two ago. Thank you, plant medicine. Anyway, so <laughs> we could, I don't think we'll have time today to go into like the access to divinity through plant medicine. But, um, but no, I, I, it was divine intervention. I remember sitting there deflated and thinking like, God, I can fall apart here. I could literally let life fall apart, but something hit me hard. And, you know, in my professional career, I was really into personal responsibility. I was really into believing that people can be trained to learn skills, to adopt a positive mindset and to really think differently about how they operate. Um, and I had realized that my whole life, my personal life, I was in fixed mindset. And, in, and I didn't, Carol Dweck, I hadn't even written the book yet. So I didn't have this language, but I was in fixed mindset. And in my professional life, I was in growth mindset and something just like hit me like a lightning bolt. It was like, dude, why the fuck not your love life? Why the fuck not your health? Like, why have you resigned in your teenage years to think that you would suck when it comes to this stuff? So it just lit me up. And so I started diving into a lot of personal growth work. I started hiring men's coaches around dating and love and sex. because I really wanted to have a healthy love life the first time. Uh, I dropped another 90 pounds that year. I transformed my social life. I literally learned about how to understand and manage my nervous system. And I was just like, man on fire, you know, like literally man on fire. Within the course of a year, my entire life looked and felt different. And I, I just had this wake up of like, dude, there's no way you can become this person and not turn around and help other people. So it's a long story. It took me another two years to end the retail career, uh, but I did. And that also ended by shit hitting the fan. <laughs> it just, it didn't end well. I'd lost passion. And so things started to just fall apart. Um, but eventually I decided that, you know, I'm, I'm, I think at the time I was 32 or 33. I'm like, I'm 33. This career with this company I've been with for 14 years, it's coming to an end. And, and I was in the process of still finishing the divorce. We were like selling our condo. I was liquidating all my stuff. Cause I was like, what is this stuff? And the guy in like Buddhist philosophies. I'm like, who needs this stuff, you know? And so I've said to myself, like, dude, you're going to have a little money in the bank and this is your shot and this is your shot. So I just quit my career, literally. I mean, I gave them like two months. I'm like, hey, check it out. I'm going to go part-time in a month. I like literally just like just calling the shots. I'm like, in a month, I'm going to be here for a month. You can hire a new person until you get the new person in. I want you to pay me this much as a contractor and I'll come in three days a week, you know, and like help out until we get there. So I just did that. 
Um, and within that next year, I, I hired a coach to help me start my own coaching practice. And I, and I enrolled in a, the eating psychology coaching program, which I didn't end up doing a whole lot of eating psychology. I did that for about a year and then, and then realized like, I just, I wanted to do more than that. And people started hiring me for like life coaching and career coaching and relationship stuff, even though I never advertised myself that way. And so, you know, about two years into my coaching journey, maybe it was 2017, I just made a pivot and said, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a men's life coach, whatever the hell that means. And uh, <laughs> so, so that's like the story of challenge and transformation that helped me decide to go into this work professionally. Um, and, and yeah, there's so much more, but that's kind of like what got me here. Yeah. Right on. Um, wow, that was incredible. Cause I I'd known bits and pieces of the story, but um, <laughs> yeah, I was I was tempted to cut you off and say, oh, divinity access for premium subscribers only. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come, bonus bonus content for yeah. premium subscribers. <laughs> but I'm actually thinking of creating some sort of bonus material. I'm like, oh, what would what would go in there? I'm like, oh, that, that would be dope. Would... Let me, let me plug something real quick, like uh friend of mine does that um a woman who's a men's coach a men's love and leadership coach shana james her podcast is dope i've been on it twice it's called man alive she does that she does like outtakes yeah. and extras as like a bonus for her like membership thing and i, I think that's cool okay she should do it man do it nudge nudge <laughs> nudge yeah um and so uh a couple of places i wanted to go first um there's this idea that um sometimes we don't need a crisis, but like crises mm -hmm. are great catalysts. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. as far as I know from, I want to say Stanislav Grof or Stan Grof, mm -hmm. he often talks about these experiences as what he would call a spiritual emergency. Yep. Right. And it's like, Oh, what does that mean? Like you had your health crisis, but like aside from the health crisis, you know, the hospital isn't going to treat you for your divorce. They're going to be like, Nope. Well, uh, we did your vitals and you're like, no, but my wife, right? And uh, it's like, yeah, they don't do spiritual emergency. There's not a spiritual emergency room. There, right. There's the ER, right? And they have the helipad. Mm -hmm. But when you have a spiritual emergency, you know, where do you go? Um, yeah, wow. And I think there's lots of people who have these emergencies. But also, I guess the maybe question I have is, for those who are curious and mm -hmm. may not want to admit may not be willing to admit because um, sometimes life smacks us in the face of like, mm -hmm. Hey, the house is burning down. What are yeah. you going to do? Um, I, I don't know if I'd call it like a covert spiritual emergency, but <laughs> someone who might be listening to this, who thinks, yeah, yeah I just want to make a change. Right. Or I want to do something different. Um, you know, uh, how do they get into it? And I, I guess maybe mm -hmm. to add before asking that, Something that I, um, I don't like about some of the coaching world, and I think this only happens when a coach is not adept, when they're, um, when they're not skilled, is they'll start mm -hmm. off an interaction and be like, so uh, tell me what's not working right now. And it's like, it's putting the client into a victim mindset. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. tell me how you are broken. And it's like, what if I'm feeling pretty good? Oh, then uh, I can't sell you something. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. What do we do with this one? we've got a thriver hey we got a thriver <laughs> right um so right and and for, for folks out there who don't know um you know you and i have worked together and i would say a lot of the biggest benefits you gave me were 
what I would call, um, and, and this ironically ties into the psychedelic thing is, uh, psychedelics are great for healthy normals, right? It's like, Hey, you don't have to be traumatized for these to still be really awesome for you. So right. for folks who identify as healthy normals, right? Mm -hmm. How, how do they get in, into this type of work? Mm. I mean, I don't know. I, I beg the question, like, would they be listening to this if they're not already into it? But <laughs> that's fair. That's but, fair. but, but, you know, it, the truth is, I don't know. The truth is each mm -hmm. person's unique and mm -hmm. what do they want to get into and why? Um, right. What, what's, what's the catalyst for wanting to create change? I actually have learned over time not to judge people who aren't doing deep work on their mindset and emotions and aren't committed to being healthy and, and who are happy to be unhappy in like a normal job that mm -hmm. is soul sucking, but they're like, just, you know, resigned to like, this is how it is. Yeah. I, I've learned to stop judging that. And honestly, if they are content with a way of being and things feel fine, then, you know, don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's one side. That's like a very individualistic human uh, side. But if we wanted to go into like a bigger picture of what I think is helpful for the consciousness and, and, and potentially saving of the human race, like, mm -hmm. yeah, I actually want to push that fucking guy into like waking their ass up and doing some right. shit to get more conscious because if they're that unconscious to what's going on in their life, they might be unconscious the way they're harming others in the world. But that's the paradox here is I don't think people that don't necessarily want to make a big change need to make a big change or need to find a way to get into the work. Now, if somebody has a really good life, but something just feels off, I would honestly say at that point, you know, just fucking open up, just download a podcast like this, like start listening mm. to podcasts in the world of, of emotional health or personal growth or spiritual right. growth or patent medicine or you know, buy it, buy a book. I don't care. I mean, he's not my jam, but like, I don't care if it's Tony Robbins. That's the only person you heard of. Like mm -hmm. just get access to different ways of thinking about human potential and human development and human, whatever, psyche, soul, body. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if you're curious, right. So, yeah. so that, that, that's like the generic answer. The real answer is who's the person, what's their situation? What is it that they think they want to change? Why do they want to change it? Um, and we can get into the nitty gritty, but um, just from a high level overview, you know, just, Hey, if you're curious, start learning some stuff. Or, you know, if you have a friend who's way into it, you know, let him drag you to the men's group or let her drag you to the, you know, whatever the breathwork class, <laughs> whatever it is, just, right. just give it a shot. Like go with someone, you know, this one. my guess is if you're not exposed to this by somebody you care about, um, you know, you don't just stumble on it usually unless you're going through crisis, spiritual crisis, as you put it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a thing, this was actually the first, the first question I had on the list and, um, I'm just going to go for it. What is the difference between being, <laughs> of course I botched the question. What is the difference between being wise versus being educated? Hmm, yeah. So one of my coaches, and this still sits with me, he, he simply said that, you know, Wisdom is when you turn knowledge into personal transformation or personal benefit. Now, I don't know if I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that there's ways that you can turn knowledge into personal benefit. Like, you know, you can learn how to exploit the fuck out of people and turn that into a huge income, which transforms your life. Is that mm -hmm. wisdom? Uh, I don't know. Um, but, 
but but I do like that idea. I do like the idea that <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying not to cut you off while I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that <laughs> there is something about turning information into like wisdom. Information becomes wisdom when it creates meaning in our life. When it's not just something we know and it tickles our ego to know it, right? So, you know, similar, like science, look at science, like science is in theory, not that important, but in practice, it's important. If we can use science to make humanity better, to make the world better, to make the earth better, to be healthier, great. But just to know science, just to understand complex shit in the world, like that's cool. There's something spiritually enlightening about that. There's something exciting about that. But what are we, what are we doing with it? How are we creating more meaning or creating more consciousness or creating more love or doing something with it? Um, the other thing is, I think that, you know, knowledge becomes wisdom when it's at a level that's deeper than just our intellect. It's deeper than just our head level. So when it's more embodied in the way I walk through the world, right? I know a lot of guys that can tell me all kinds of David Data shit, <laughs> but damn, if they aren't a triggered mess who's got a lot of, have got a lot of anger issues and who are not grounded and who couldn't apply anything in what David Data has taught them but they love to be able to talk about it. It's the way they intellectually masturbate, like feel good about themselves and feel smart in front of others. So how do we embody it? How do we make it into a way of being, right? That to me is when it becomes wisdom. And, and ultimately, I also think it becomes wisdom when like other people can experience a shift. Other people can experience growth mm -hmm. or, or grounding or, or love or freedom or whatever because of the presence that you are, and in many ways by your modeling of a way of being as opposed to your teaching, right? So, so there's, some, there's some stuff there. I think it goes like really it has to get to a layer that's deeper than just in the head. And that either happens through like being able to apply it in your way of being and it just emanates from you or that happens from being able to use it towards something that makes life better and hopefully doesn't exploit others. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that was well said. Uh, one definition I'd heard and liked was wisdom is applied knowledge. But then you mm. added that layer of like, well, there's different ways you could apply it. And I think uh, like like the one you mentioned with with folks exploiting people, I think that often is a mask, right? It's it's like this whole idea of hurt people, hurt people, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, I feel inadequate, so I'm going to acquire resources, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, and then, uh, I wanted to reference like two or three episodes ago, the guest, uh, mm -hmm. James Prieto, he, I, I love this. I hadn't heard it before, but he said much of my life, I went around living from the neck up. Um, yeah. and I'd never heard that before. And it's funny. Cause that aligned with this, this vision of like, oh, and to combat death, we're just gonna put our brains in jars and upload them to the AI. And, um, if that's not living from the neck up, like, I don't know what is. And uh, yeah. it just dismisses all of this other, um, I was going to say intelligence, but I, I like what you mentioned saying it's when we move beyond the intellect and intelligence mm -hmm. goes beyond the intellect to, yeah. to, get, to get into the wordplay a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask that because I would say to me, you're a person who is wise, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people, I think that, 
Oh, we all, we all do this to some extent, but we meet someone and then we quickly go to let me check their credentials, right? Or right. let me find some hint of their value as a person to judge what I can extract from them, which mm -hmm. is so disgusting, right? Yeah. And um, there's something really powerful about saying like, hey, my value as a human being is not based on some arbitrary list of credentials and owning yeah. that. And that is, um, I, I would call it a skill, right? It's a, it's a mm. skill for, for me to learn. I have a habit of yeah. hiding behind credentials. I have a right. habit of saying, oh, when I worked for Google, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's like, hey, let's get out the rulers, you know, and, and measure. Yeah. Um, and I think you've transcended that, right, uh, in, in, a, in a lot of ways. And, and I, I hope I'm, I'm on the escalator behind you. But uh, um, thank you. Thank you. And, and I think there's something, something that I want to say that, sure. that would be like um, just, just authentic and, and here in this moment and vulnerable is like mm -hmm. in some way I've transcended, circumvented, swam under right, <laughs> right. because I don't have any credentials. And mm -hmm. I, I just, I talked about those limiting beliefs in my past. Mm -hmm. They kept me from even identifying as a person that could or should go grab credentials. Um, mm -hmm. as well as my learning difference, you know, like I was labeled at four years old with learning disability. I'm going to call them mm -hmm. learning differences because a lot of people, I, I'm, I'm marrying a PhD and she thinks I'm fucking really smart. So that's something. But anyway, <laughs> point is like, I don't, I never aligned with academia. I never felt like the way that school worked fit for the way that I worked. And so I got off that ramp really early in life. Mm -hmm partially because of some inner knowing of like, mm, that shit ain't right. But partially because I didn't think I could. I didn't right. think I was built for it. And so there's a part of me that's blessed with not ever having identified as someone that should be a high achiever, that should have titles and degrees and a bunch of certifications. And what that meant was like, I had, if I was going to be grounded in my value and my power in this world, if I was gonna learn to give gifts, I had to prioritize my way of being, how I relate to others, how I can communicate. Um, over time, I've had to prioritize like just my presence, my energy, my sense of grounding as I walk in a room or walk in a Zoom or whatever it's called. <laughs> like, I, I just think that, that that's, in a way, it's an unfair, unique advantage. If we're, if we're, if we're, we're putting on a pedestal, this like transcendence, or to call it, of, of titles and, and, and credentials, then... I have an unfair advantage. Like I just started life thinking that they, that, that wasn't me anyway. And so yeah. um, I've seen other people who've been really successful, quote unquote, and been really strong academically and have had the ability to rise the ranks professionally and create, generate good income. Like I've seen them struggle to, un, to get rid of the labels and to get rid of the attachment to other people's approval systems and to get rid of the attachment to the credentials and the expertise hat. And um, I don't think I'm better than them. I just, I, I, I kind of, they have uneven playing field in some ways and I have uneven playing field in other ways. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like the multiple dimensions of privilege, right? I don't know if that's mm -hmm. a good comparison, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a privilege. I feel like the world's changing. I think the world, I feel like the world's really rapidly changing and our consciousness is changing. So for me to be a guy that was never super attached to like, good looks, income, good grades, 
fucking a lot of women, all that, you know, all that stuff we do as, 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 as heteronormative masculine men, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like I never, I never won those, those games. Like I never thought I could win those games. So I, I almost didn't even have to dismantle those parts of me. I just had to build healthy identity and healthy ego with who I actually am. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of opting out at an early age of like, Hey, this is not for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, um, I mean, I would say I had similar experiences like many times where I'm like, mm, this doesn't feel quite right. Okay. I'm going to just try it anyway. And I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe you should have listened to that. Maybe that was some internal wisdom coming out saying like, Hey, this isn't quite right. Hey, there's something I'm trying to tell you. Right. And, um, I guess, um, uh, this is just a question I had on the list because it's something I wanted to make sure um, gets attention. But this, um, I'll call it men's work, right? Uh, maybe we could mm -hmm. first say like, well, what is men's work? And then why does the world need it? Yeah, yeah. Um, question one, I, it's a hard one to answer. Um, mm -hmm. I, my first, my gut instinct is to say like, man, I don't know that shit. Like, drawing right. some old Chris Rock. Right. Like, ah, I don't know that shit. I kind of right. love not knowing sometimes, but uh, <laughs> it's hard to frame it. It, it. It's, it's been, it's a label that's been attached to any like personal growth work that men have been doing together in affinity groups as people who identify with male gender. <laughs> so that's what I see men's work as it's any personal, spiritual, emotional creation based growth work healing-based work that men are doing together. And traditionally, there's been a lot of stuff that's been done based on like the, you know, 1970s, 1980s men's mythopoetic movement. Uh, a lot of it's been based at times on archetypal psychology or Jungian psychology. A lot of it's been based on, you know, um, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey stuff. Um, but I'm seeing a change in that. I'm seeing an emergence of more soul-based work and more embodiment work and more you know, spiritual work and healing work that is not related to those very like uh, Eurocentric conceptualizations of you know what what men should be right. So so it's an expansive term, I think. Now, why the why the world might need it is really important to me, and this is literally what my mission is about. So. Um, I believe we're entering an era. You're going to toss the mission, right? Yeah, sure. Like okay. My, I'm like, yeah, you can't absolutely. let that slide. Okay. No, no, no. Sure. I mean, if we want to do it in, in like a very succinct way, um, you know, at a time. So, so, so years ago when I was first breaking free from a lot of the binds that we talked about in my transformational journey, my mission became to help create, co-create a inspired and empowered world. I wanted people to feel inspired and empowered. I just, I felt so on fire and so gifted by inspiration and personal empowerment that I wanted to create that for others and health and well-being was important. Um, but what's dawned on me in the last few years as I've grown, as I've changed, as I've learned to deepen, as I've opened myself up to spirit and spirituality, as I've really broken away the barriers around my heart to love and, and, and love in like a deepened way, um, I've started to notice a lot more beings in the world that, that aren't white, white men, <laughs> that aren't middle-class white men. You know, uh, I think a lot of us have been aware of and noticing that there is a fair amount of 
disparity in privilege, that there's a fair amount of abuse and oppression in the world. There's a fair amount of domination of all of us, and that includes men, but, but there's been domination by kind of like what people might call capitalistic or patriarchal forces. Doesn't care, I don't care what you call it, but the bottom line is that there are many people in this world that are not liberated, that are not, not, just, not just emotionally and spiritually liberated like I wanna be, but they're just literally not liberated. They are not given rights. I mean, we're literally in a world right now where there's a fucking state in our country that's supposed to be a quote unquote free country that has backtracked on female reproductive rights in a tremendous traumatic way. Like this happened last week. And so we're in a place where the world is no longer gonna tolerate and no longer should tolerate the levels of oppression that are out there in the world, the levels of disparity and distance between power. And men, women, children, people of color, non-gender folks, uh, indigenous people, whoever, there's, it's, it's time that we create liberation for those folks. And it's time that we create a more whole version of humanity. And that it's time that we look at the potential that we could actually save human life on this planet if we act quickly when it comes to what's going on with our planet resourceful-wise. And so ultimately, I think that there is this power in the potential for healing and growth and transformation of men. We have for several thousand years really been holding the strings of that domination logic. We've been holding the power. And in a way, it's time for us to learn to share it. But I don't know about you, I tend not to share liberation. I tend not to share wisdom. I should tend not to share joy. I tend not to share resources until I believe I actually have them. So there is this key to unlocking the liberation of our world that actually comes with giving transformation, that comes with giving depth, that comes with giving healing to men in this world. So we need it because it's time for the world to change. But if we think that just marginalizing people who've had the power and putting them to the side is the way that we're going to reach global liberation. Forget about it. They're not people. We are not going to share our power. We're not going to shift resources. We're not going to change the systems of the world until we become more whole, more conscious. And we start healing some of the soul wounds that we've experienced as men in this world, because we've experienced as much as anyone else, no matter what creed or color or race or, or socioeconomic status you are in, we've experienced pain and liberation or, or <laughs> oppression and domination because to be in this kind of like dominant class of beings we needed to actually suppress big parts of our humanity and suppress big parts of our soul so to me the, the keys to unlocking a liberated world is actually with with within helping everyone inclusive of men become more conscious of what's possible when we learn to be in more of like a liberation logic for everyone, including ourselves. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that's it. You know, my mission has transformed into wanting to co-create a world of love and liberation. And because I have experienced a lot of my love and liberation access through men's work, I'll continue to work with men to help them access that love and freedom so we can even know what it feels like, looks like, sounds like, smells like, tastes like, and turn around and try and give some to others. That's well said, um, man, I'm, I'm out of the guided questions and there's, I mean, there's, there's volumes we could, we, we could cover, I, I guess, um, as we, as we wind down, um, for, 
folks that might be listening, um, sometimes I say, oh, where's your website, right? Or like, where do you mm-hmm. want to send people? But I think it feels a little different this time. And I, and I want to mm-hmm. say if there is a message you want to leave folks with, because part, part of what I was hearing there was um, what came up for me was this idea of, of owning your gold. And I'm not talking about mm-hmm. precious metals, mm-hmm. right? I'm talking about, hey, um, if you don't recognize your own basic human dignity, yeah. good luck treating others in a dignified manner. Right. <laughs> right. Like, oh, what's the easiest way to be inhumane? Um, if we don't even view ourselves as a person and we treat others like we treat ourselves. Oof. Um, so yeah, I guess to kind of maybe put a bow on this, um, what if the, if any, right, if there's a message mm-hmm. you want to leave people with. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if I've got one core message. I do think that we are on, in a time where our world is rapidly transforming. Uh, I do think we're in a time where we need more people in the world to feel liberated, to do what they want with their life. I do think that we need more healers and coaches and facilitators of consciousness, of transformational work, of, of health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, we need a strong uh, you know, network not just a mycelial network, <laughs> a network. <laughs> we need a strong network of people who are courageous enough to go out on a limb and live a life of purpose and of meaning to change the world. And so one of the things that I've been working more on recently is how I can personally use my experience and my life and my skills to be a force multiplier for that. Mm. So for anyone out there who's been thinking like, you want to go after that, you, know, you want to become a healer, you want to become a coach, you want to become a guide, you want to teach dance, you want to teach yoga, I don't care, you want to be a you know, plant medicine practitioner who teaches semen retention, I'm signing up for that weekend, give me, take my money. Um, <laughs> but I mean, if you want to go, if you have a dream to go out there and do something you love and do something that's meaningful and do something that's purposeful and do something that will help others, I believe you deserve to go after it. I believe that there are ways to it. And I think so many of us get stuck in the logistics of life and how do we figure it out? And so if you have that, if you have that spark, that divine spark, that spark of your gold within you that says, I got to do this, like I got to go serve. Or if you're the kind of person who already has done like five certifications and trainings, but you just haven't really like launched yet, I want you to figure it out. It's like no judgment if you don't, go figure it out, go give, go serve go heal, go love, you know, uh, life is short and humanity is precious. So I just want to encourage you to do that. Um, and, uh, and, and frankly, to kind of like direct people towards some of my work is I'm working on more and more ways to do that. I've been gifted with fucking badass people like you who've worked with me in the past, past couple of years, specifically, I've had a lot of guys, young guys too, who want to, learn how to, you know, make a difference in the world mm. and to get paid doing it. And like, I, I mean, some of these people are never going to leave their full-time job. They're sure of it, but they know that like, they're going to do their thing on the side or they're going to like put their art into the world or whatever it may be. Right. It doesn't have to be like going on a limb and going full-time as a coach or healer or whatever. But I want to help more people live in that place where they're creating their lit the fuck up life, where they're serving others, where they have a mission, where they see that they can give their gold and they see that, they 
would be liberated by helping heal and liberate others. And then and, and they figure out a way to like find the courage to do it. And and we work on that together. So I'm all about that. You know, people are are in that place where you've been like hoping, like, when's the time for me to go figure this out? Even if you think you're five years down the line, like hit me up, <laughs> give me a call. Like I wanna figure out how to help, whether I'm helping you professionally and you're paying me or whether I just point you in directions or or I'm a touchstone for resources or whatever. It's just like, I, we, we, we need that. We need this to happen in, this, in our world. So I wanna be a big part of that. Wow, okay. Um, I, I wanna add one more thing. And um, this is my favorite poem. It's from a woman named Marianne Williamson. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to read this real quick. Please. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Mm -hmm. And... Thank you so much. And um, I'm going to leave it at that. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Our current medical system is pretty good at treating acute conditions. But when it comes to chronic health problems, we're not that good. In fact, many Americans suffer from chronic health conditions without really knowing why. Not medical advice. Yes, that is the name. Notmedicaladvice.co, not.com. Again, that is notmedicaladvice.co, helps you find a holistic healthcare provider near you. You can get a free guide on the website and you'll get a video and PDF to find the perfect people in your area to help you solve chronic medical conditions. If you've had confusing healthcare conditions, if your doctor has made your health worse, if you've had a lot of bad doctor experiences, like I have had myself where I've lost trust in the system, and if you haven't had luck with holistic options just yet, Not Medical Advice helps you navigate the health landscape. Go to notmedicaladvice.co. I hope you all enjoyed that. One quick thing in closing, stegdrew.com slash juicy. Stegdrew, just like the show, dot com slash juicy. You can sign up for my weekly musings there on all things like we spoke about in this episode and other assorted weirdness. Just drop in your email, stegdrew.com slash juicy. Thank you.